is Free Talk Live. You're welcome to join us, 603-283-6160. That's the number if you want to call in. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria, Bonnie, and Ian. And I missed a trial today. I got a new phone, which complicates alarms and stuff like that. None of my old alarms were set up on this one. And I set them up last night before I went to sleep. And the app I use is Extreme Alarm Clock. I like it because it makes you solve like math problems I and stuff like that. that app. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. But it also the latest version has a feature on it where it will check to see if you're awake, if you're still awake. Mm. And I had it set to do that 5 minutes after I woke up. Yeah. I decided to sleep a little bit longer and the result of this was that every 5 minutes it was going off again and you know There's a having, bug with that. Uh, it's a bug. I think so, because I remember trying it and something was wrong with it, and I stopped using that feature. Yeah, having just woken up, I had no idea how to deal with it, because, mm-hmm. you know, going in and out of sleep like that. So eventually, I just powered down my phone. I was mm-hmm. like, screw this. I'm not dealing with it anymore. And, you know, woke up about two hours later at like 10 in the morning, missing the trial of Rochelle Kelly, which I was really looking forward to getting to, but it seems like... A lot of people did make it there. Yeah, for sure. The courtroom was packed. In fact, it was standing room only. And based on just kind of the crowd outside, because you can tell who the free staters are, who the libertarians are, even if you don't know all of them, because they well, they who, know enough of each other to where they're all kind of hanging around in groups outside. What other kind of person would show up to the trial except a... Free stater or libertarian, right? I'm glad you asked. There was one counter-protester. Oh, really? Yeah, it was so stupid. He was just standing there by the front door away from everyone else. And when I passed him, I was just like, it took me a second to realize he was a counter-protester because the sign was so bad. It just said, Rochelle's uh, defense. And then in quotations, where I don't want to. She doesn't want to what? Yeah. Not let her kids play at a playground? Because that's what all of this was about. For those who don't remember, we talked about it. It happened about a year ago, I believe. It was over a year ago. It was April of last year. And then they arrested her several months later in September of last year. Yeah. So they didn't even arrest her at the time. Correct. They just showed up, you know, several months later and arrested her for disorderly conduct and criminal trespass is that the other one that's right yeah she she and a couple of other sets of parents had gone to a playground she doesn't even live in concord but they went to a park there in concord i guess it's got a nice playground did any of the other parents get charged yes two other parents were arrested i do not know their legal status as far as whether they took a plea deal or not Uh, but in rochelle's case she was found not guilty today much to the chagrin of the hater who had shown up (laughs) the one Uh, hater yeah and he uh, he did sit in the trial with his mask on uh the whole time and i saw a brief clip where the judge also wore a mask throughout the trial yep he did he wasn't Um, near anyone he was like one one of three people in a room of like 40 people wearing a mask yeah, that's uh, silly. There, the judge was in a mask. There was a reporter from, I believe, the Concord Monitor wearing a mask. She was wearing two, I believe. Wow. I was trying to see. She was on the exact opposite side of the ro- room for me, but it looked like two. Now, in the judge's case, if you believe, you know, that COVID is a serious problem for elderly folks, he was very old. Um, sure, you know, but I mean, are the masks supposed to prevent him from getting COVID? I don't. Know. Yeah, I thought I they're either. to protect you. It's clear that this is a religious totem, and it's yes. uh, you know being shown that they are part of this religion. And a judge is a very high-ranking priest. 
uh, in the religion of the state. My, Absolutely. My friend posted this meme today that said, if I have to wear a mask to protect your health, I'm going to start slapping McDonald's out of your hands, too. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how, how did all of this play out? Because... I, what what was her defense oh, argument? By the way, I don't think I said what percentage of the room was. It was at least ninety percent of this room was like liberty activists, people who supported Rochelle. There were actually about half a dozen cops that came in. Yeah. To, Jesus. In plain clothes, so like okay. it wasn't obvious unless you know what a cop looks like, and they and they also were carrying. Yeah, guns. and somebody was like, I mean, the doorman. I don't really know what you call him. He was like uh, asking, "Are you guys a witness, uh, sir?" And he, the one of the police officers was just like, no, we're just here to, to observe. They were just there right. to like they thought that carrying guns, but there and to handcuffs. Observe. Right. So I see I, there wasn't a jury for this trial, correct? Correct. This was a. It might have been a Class A misdemeanor. Um, I suspect that's how it was originally charged. Whether they kept it that way for those that aren't uh, you, know, you know aware, New Hampshire because every state's different with how they right. classify things. Uh, New Hampshire has misdemeanor and violation level. Uh, trespass, criminal trespass. And the misdemeanor can be a, cl- a class A or a class B. And it just depends on how they want to charge you. Sure. So they can feel feel like charging you with a class A and do that, in which case you're then facing up to a year in jail, as well as a fine. Uh, and I believe it's over, maybe slightly over a $1,000 fine possible. And then a class B would be only a fine and no jail time. So she was facing a class A. I believe oh, she this was. This is what she says. She says, it was class A to begin with. When they saw I had so much support, they dropped it to class B, so uh, I didn't get a jury that's trial. Why. That's oh. why. Yep. Yeah. Because if you have a class A, you can have a jury trial that you can choose. You can decide whether you want the bench trial or the jury trial. And then in New Hampshire, you can actually, if you want, you can have the bench trial first. And if you don't get the the verdict that you want, not guilty, uh, then you can actually go back and do what's called a de novo trial in front of a jury. So you actually get a second crack at it in New Hampshire if it's a class A misdemeanor or a felony. And then you could appeal that if you still don't get the result that you want, correct? You can, but then you're just going up in front of the Supreme Court. You can only appeal on on you know oh. questions of law and errors of the court. Okay. So it's not the same as a true trial uh, again. So what was the judge's reasoning for finding her not guilty? Just the obvious that, I mean, she was at a public park, so she clearly wasn't trespassing and she no, didn't commit? No, unfortunately, it wasn't that. Uh, the, the judge was basically saying he was backing up the police, saying that the police gave her a lawful order to leave. He just basically said that she left within enough time. Well, I guess that's still a minor victory. She's not guilty. So yeah. So what happened? Um, the, the video that I had originally posted at freekeen.com back when this incident occurred was only part of the video. I didn't know that at the time. I I got what video I had and I I put it up there. Right. But it turns out there was more video of sort of what happened initially when the police first arrived at the uh, the, the playground. Because again, these people were just playing on the playground. It was yeah, that a daytime. doesn't sound like a lawful order for police to show up to a playground and be like, hey, no, you and your kids, it's, you have to leave. Well, the thing is, the playground was closed legally by governor's orders. Now, whether or not that's considered a legal closing or not was not addressed in this particular trial. That would be something that likely would have to be appealed up to the Supreme Court if she was found guilty. Um, but the judge didn't find her guilty, so you can't appeal mm. uh, the decision in this particular case. So, is a judge's order law? Well, the police treat it like it is, but it's not. So, you know, there's definitely a a big question mark on the legality of these orders in the first place. But because 
King Sununu declared that parks should be closed, or in this case, the park was technically open. Playgrounds should be closed. So you could be in the rest of the park. You just couldn't be on the playground. There was caution tape around the playground. So it didn't say, in the, and Rochelle's attorney pointed this out and, and asked the witnesses, which were the police in this case, you know, did the tape say do not cross? No, it didn't. The tape said caution. And he said mm. the police could have used do not cross tape. They could have. Interesting. And so, yeah, okay. We'll use caution. Thanks. We're going to have fun on the playground, right? <laughs> yeah, Apparently sure. there was a sign at some point in the caution tape about how the playground was closed. But they may or may not have seen that sign. So it came down to the police to issue a quote-unquote lawful order to each of the playground participants telling them that they have to leave or they'll be charged with uh, disorderly conduct and or criminal trespass. And so once Rochelle was given a direct order to leave by the police, she was already up on or partially up on some of the equipment. Uh, so she continued to go towards, you know, to use the equipment in her exit. She slid down a slide, which actually removed her from the taped off zone as soon as she exited the slide. <laughs> it was in the video and they kept playing it like the, the not the, the prosecution kept playing. It was just so funny to see like a slide happen again and again. Like it was so egregious. It was all so stupid. How would you have felt being one of these cops harassing this woman for letting her kids play at a p- playground? 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Definitely a day of good news and bad news if you look at the news. Evidently, um, AMC is planning to accept Bitcoin by 2022, which of course is good news. However, Who the, knew they were still open. Right? Well, this may in fact save them. It might. It might be too little too late, but good for them. Well, I mean, if they, you know, are willing to accept Bitcoin in return for tickets or whatever, they're going to do a lot better than any of the other movie companies. I think so. At least in the long, long term. Run. LA, of course, is looking at requiring people to get vaccinations. The US government wants to have it wants to control how people access the internet. Oh boy. And that was sort of included in the recent infrastructure package that the Senate approved. And a company called Circle I don't know anything about them. Who who are they and what do they do? Circle is a corporation that I think they started by being just, you know, it's a Bitcoin seller or whatever. And uh, they ended up creating their own stable coin with, uh, the, I guess, combining together with Coinbase in order to do that. So USDC is the second most market cap size stable coin, which for listeners that don't know, that's a, uh, a cryptocurrency token that's backed by a thing. In this case, it's backed by the U.S. dollar or some dollar equivalent, uh, essentially. So USDT, which is known as Tether, is the number one. And that's you know a massive, I think it's number, the number three crypto uh, on the planet right now by market cap. Jesus. And so do we know that Circle has the dollars they say they have? Since uh, yeah. Apparently Tether doesn't. Right. That's the big question mark. With like 30%. All, with a lot of these crypto stable coins is do they actually have what they claim to have in reserve 
Um, Tether apparently just came out with a report showing that they didn't, that they have all these quote-unquote investments, but they didn't have actual dollars uh, mm. behind it or something. That's what I've heard. I've not read that for myself. I haven't read it either, read it either but somebody told us that. Um, Sounds risky. Yeah, supposedly USDC is shored up better than te- Tether. Well, if they're tied up with Coinbase to some degree, I imagine they are a bit more on the up and up. US, the people behind Tether. USDC is currently the number eight crypto by market cap. So if you look at Tether, they've got about $63 billion in market cap, in, uh, and USDC has about $28 billion. So it's a big competitor yeah, to, uh, like to Tether. And they basically want to be a bank. They do. And I w- I'd love to talk about that, but I don't think we're done quite yet with Rochelle Kelly oh, okay. and, and what happened there. So um, just to catch your listeners up, Rochelle was arrested a year ago or yeah, just about a year ago after five months after the incident occurred, which was back in April where she and her kids and some other parents were at a playground in Concord and the cops showed up, which means someone called them. So some busybody neighbor across the street or whatever, it wasn't like there were a bunch of kids at this playground. It was closed. There was caution tape around the playground. So somebody else, somebody saw these kids at the park, called That's up the despicable. police. despicable. Yeah. And then the police came by and told them, you have to leave. Instead of just ignoring them or not responding to the call. Correct. And uh, these hero cops who had to testify today because Rochelle didn't take the plea deal. What was that like, listening to these cops testify? Did they get all teary-eyed and crying like the ones uh, who testified about the January 6th event did? The first one was all serious and really careful, like talking really slow, thinking things through before she talked, blinking nonstop. She was just blinking and mouth-breathing the entire time, and she she was horrible. And then the second one was like giggling on his way up, you know, this isn't a big deal. I'm a uh, he's a detective. I'm a detective for youth services. I was like, creep. Yeah, he looked that's weird. Creepy as well. So the cops were very proud, uh, clearly, of what they did. <laughs> um, I said to the female cop who testified first after she had left the room, she was sitting outside on her phone. I happened, you know, I had to go to the the restroom, so I walked out, went to the restroom, noted where she was seated all by herself. And then I came back and I just said something to her like, is this why you became a police officer? So you could arrest parents at the, the playground, you know, with their kids or whatever. And she just stared at me. She didn't have anything to say. Was, so. nice. And then I went to the bathroom right after him and I was just like, wow, she looks pissed off. Like I was like trying to avert my gaze from her. And she was like talking to the doorman all like really seriously. I think she was like telling Well, hopefully she felt disappointed in herself. Because yeah. ultimately what they did was nothing to be proud of. They harassed a mother and ultimately arrested her for allowing her children to play. She's and- probably just going through in her head. It wasn't my fault. I was I was following orders. The original charges, by the way, were disorderly conduct and criminal trespass. So Rochelle was originally facing two years in prison at Class A level misdemeanor charges. They dropped the dis- I asked her after the, the trial. There's a little bit of sort of post-interview on the video, which you can see at freekeen.com. And by the way, it's exclusively on Odyssey. Um, but you can... Uh, so I asked her, I was like, well, what happened to the original charge? Because I remembered that there were two charges. So, well, when did they drop the other charge? And she said they dropped the disorderly conduct charge like this morning or yesterday or something. Wow. Literally right before the trial. Yeah, because I thought there were two that. charges. Which was interesting because... I forget who pointed this out later on, but there's 
probably a stronger case for disorderly conduct than uh, than criminal trespass, simply because disorderly conduct is such a mess of a statute. It's just such a wide-cutting statute. There's so many different... Sure, basically uh, anything can be dis- yeah. considered disorderly conduct. So it's well, a surprise. I think because she just didn't take a plea deal that they were just afraid to prosecute her for this because it would get eventually probably, you know, appealed. Mm. I mean, it probably would have been appealed, but it just doesn't make sense as to why they... Like, I wonder what their reason was for dropping disorderly but keeping trespass. Anyway, that's what they did, and so she faced the criminal trespass, was found not guilty. And what was also interesting was the judge found, even though he's masked, it was hard to hear him, but uh, the judge did find her not guilty in court, which is unusual. I've seen a lot of trials over the years of activists for various different things, and most of the time when a judge is going to find you not guilty, he wants to do it quietly. So, Really? Yeah, and the reason is because it's more of a show if he does it in court. And, you know, everybody, that courtroom was standing room only. Oh, I bet the so standing ovation was, there was. En- enormous. Yeah, yeah, there was a standing ovation. Whereas, if and the we judge. And we had Footloose there. Yeah, oh, and then Footloose, as soon as the judge left the uh, the chambers, he started yelling at the cops. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if the judge wanted to, he could have just said, well, I'm going to take this under advisement and left the court. And there would have been no standing ovation. It sounds like they wanted to make a show of finding her not guilty. It's hey, we're not really that bad. I mean, sure, yeah. the cops were wrong here, but we're not going to be the people who prosecute a mother for letting her kids play on the playground. Maybe yeah. that was why they maybe. dropped the disorderly conduct. Or maybe the judge wanted to look good toward his retirement because a rumor had it he was uh, towards very close to uh, to being retired. So, um, so yeah, he made the show of just finding her not guilty right then and there. And, you know, the, the hater who'd been sitting there in the audience the whole time. Did he cry? Hoping and hoping and hoping she'd be found guilty. He, he got up and left as soon as he could to get out of there. It's on the video. It's pretty funny. I was hoping I would still see him outside because I didn't get a chance to interview him and I really wanted to. Apparently he started yelling Rochelle's address to her and telling her, I know where you live. Oh, she's had death threats. Over this? Over Over taking her kids to the, the park. That's a severe overreaction. But, I mean, even having a hater show up to her trial is a severe overreaction. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I said, well, Rochelle's made it. She's got a hater. She's got yeah. a, uh, an actual <laughs> counter-protester. At least one. 603-283-6160 if you want to join the discussion. That's 603-283-6160. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bane Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more. It's Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160. If you want to join the conversation with us tonight, that's 603-283-6160. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And it's Ian. And Bonnie. And if you want to watch the full video of the trial of Rochelle Kelly, then you're going to have to do it at video.freekeen.com because there it can't be censored. I know the Freekeen YouTube channel has had issues in the past based on yeah. a a like a 15-second clip of, I think, um, 
I don't remember who it was, but it was. There's been more than one takedown from. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, that's that's common. But on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, that they're all censoring people. Odyssey doesn't do that. Library doesn't do that. It's an uncensorable, decentralized blockchain-based media sharing protocol. And we've been using it for years at Free Talk Live. So check it out, video.freekeen.com, if you want to watch the full trial where Rochelle Kelly was found not guilty in the courtroom for allowing her kids to play on a playground. Now, she's now actually facing another charge as of a recent arrest uh, that happened, what, two, three weeks ago, something like that? The charge there Uh, is uh, resisting arrest, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it was originally something else and resisting arrest. Yeah, I don't remember. I I think disorderly. No, it wasn't disorderly. It was interfering with government administration. Oh, yeah, business, yeah. Yeah, and which is actually a charge I got years ago for standing in front of a police cruiser. She was on the side of the road with her family. Well, they wanted to unlawfully search her vehicle. Correct, and she stepped in and closed her vehicle's door. She was already out of the car, uh, at that point, and she was yelling at the police like, hey, you can't do that, closed the door to her car, and they just immediately arrested her for it. So now they've dropped the interfering with police <laughs> business or whatever, government business charge, and now she's only facing a resisting arrest charge, which is one of the craziest things. How do you, how are you uh, getting a, a yes. resisting arrest charge, but there's no other charge? How does that happen exactly? You would think that such such char- charges would just automatically be thrown out yeah. by the judge. Oh, you you have a charge for resisting arrest, but there's no other charge, so mm-hmm. clearly the arrest was unlawful. We're arresting so you're you for resisting arrest, ma'am. They don't do that all the time. I thought that was they pretty. They have done that a, a myriad of times to activists. Yeah, yeah, and it never makes any sense whatsoever. And that video, I don't know if that's been posted anywhere yet. I've been trying to get my hands on the actual video. Um, I don't know if it's one of those things that's just been floating around Telegram, which that's nice. Telegram's great for communicating with uh, with one another, but at like as, as like a chat room. Right. But uh, you know, it's better to put it up on a video platform that people can access. So I'm hoping to get that. I have it. It's on Telegram. Right. I would love to get it if somebody can send it to me. I'd appreciate it. Anyway, in other yeah. news. Um, we were talking about Circle earlier. Did they call themselves that as a sort of a play on Square? Maybe. The, <laughs> I don't the know. The company that owns Cash App, which also uh, deals in Bitcoin. But cir- uh, yes. Circle, at the very least, um, this is what I talked about at my uh, presentation at Porkfest. You know, uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, they want, and not just exchanges, but cryptocurrency companies, they want to become the next banks. They, they want to put Wells Fargo and Bank of America and all of those out of business. Presumably, I don't, I don't think they really care if they stay in business or not. But they want to become the new banks in the cryptocurrency world mm-hmm. and perform exactly the same evils that the current banks have been doing. So Kraken established their own bank, I think, in Minnesota. Uh, no, Wyoming. Wyoming. And now Circle wants to be a bank. Yeah, and it caught my attention. I mean, not because it's particularly unusual for one of these crypto companies, as you say, to be interested in banking. Um what they describe themselves or what their plan as is very unusual. Goldman Sachs-backed digital payment company Circle. This is from Cointelegraph. They're backed by Goldman Sachs. Apparently they are now. Hasn't I don't Goldman they... Sachs been railing against cryptocurrency for like... They the changed last... their tune. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, but I don't think they were originally backed by uh, Goldman Sachs. Anyway, they've uh, Circle has officially disclosed its plans to become a full reserve national digital currency bank in the United States. 
But there is no national digital currency in the United States. I guess that just means that there will be a national bank okay. um, chartered nationally. So Are when they you- calling, sorry, their crypto a digital currency? Because isn't it not a digital currency? Uh, they have a, 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 what they call a stable coin, which is again backed by the U.S. dollar, supposedly. And issued on different blockchains. So, for instance, the Ethereum blockchain, you can issue tokens. Right. And I don't know which other blockchain circles USDC is on, but I think it's on a couple others. And uh, so they have that. And they also have been selling Bitcoin for years. I remember that was one of the ways people bought Bitcoin early on. Uh, the company was founded in 2013. So it's, you know, in, as far as the crypto okay. space is concerned. They've been around a while. They've been around. Um but to call it a full reserve bank is something I've never seen. That means in they will only loan out money that they actually have. Right. 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 And what a crazy listeners- concept. Right. For <laughs> listeners that aren't aware, banks don't do that. Bank you know, the, like when we grow up and we're told about banking and our parents explain to us, you know, a loan or whatever, that's what we're told is oh, well, you give money to the bank and they loan it out to people. No, no that's not exactly what they do. In most cases, banks are what's called fractional reserve banks, and there used to be a rule that required a bank to have one-tenth, roughly, of uh, what it was going to loan out on reserve in order to make the loan. From what I understand, in early 2020, during COVID, Trump got rid of that rule. Yes. I mean, initially, it was that if you deposited $100 into a bank, they would use that to loan out uh, $900, but yeah, basically. it was a one to nine ratio or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that way they had, you know, $1,000 uh, out there based on the $100 10 to one. Yeah. They had 10% of it in reserve. But during the pandemic, some government entity got rid of the fractional reserve requirement entirely. Correct. Which so now means- they can just loan out as much as they want with no reserve. Which is crazy because you would think that they would want to have at least 10%. That seems so low. Well, and for listeners that are shocked by this because it's a shocking thing to find out. Like, wait, you're telling me the bank is loaning money it doesn't have? Yeah, that's exactly what the system is all about. And what that actually means is the bank itself is minting dollars. It's printing money in the process of making that loan. So it's not just the Federal Reserve that can print money and increase the money supply. All of its member banks can also uh, create money out of thin air. I and they do it. I didn't know this about banks until I was 21. Tom yeah. Woods taught me. Yeah, yeah they do it all the time. time. I mean, that $230,000 loan you got for your house or whatever, the bank didn't actually no. give out $230,000 of money that it had. It just wrote down the number saying that it did, and then you paid it back, and suddenly they were $230,000 richer. Oh, no, more than that, because you paid it back with interest. Ah, true. So you, you look, do the calculation on a mortgage payment over 30 years or even a 15-year you're going to pay a lot more on top of that 230000 It might be, after 30 years, it might be more like $400,000 that you end up paying that bank back. And, and that's where does just that money free money from? to the bank. Right. And where does that money come from? Your hard work. Mm-hmm. And nowhere else. But here's the thing. If a bunch of money is being printed out of thin air and demanded that, it's, that uh, interest be paid on it in order to pay that loan back... Where does the money come from to pay that loan back? Because not there hasn't been that much that was like created, right? Like so, right. the bank only made two hundred thirty thousand, and this bank over here only made X thousand. You know, so like, where does that money come from? There's not enough money to pay all this 
all these debts back. No, in theory, uh, the the principals could be paid back, but it's theoretically impossible for the amount of money to exist for all of the principals and all of the interest to be paid back. Right. In in theory, it's just simply impossible, which means that everywhere, someone will be in debt. And so, it's just a game of musical chairs, whether or not you're the one who's left standing there when the banks call in their money. So back to Circle, which again is opening a full reserve bank, which is amazing. Uh, now, maybe there are others. I mean, this might be a thing. Maybe there's like a very small percentage of banks that are actually full reserve out there. But I've never heard of this. Uh, this is the first I've heard of such a thing. The founder of Circle noted they're willing to operate under the supervision and risk management requirements of the Federal Reserve, U.S. Treasury, Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, and the FDIC. So, you know, they're completely you know going to be government. You have to be in order to, to create a bank. But they're going to obey the government. He says, quote, we believe that full reserve banking built on digital currency technology can lead not to just a radically more efficient, but also a safer, more resilient financial system. And they're already starting with nearly $30 billion in stablecoin deposits that they have for themselves. Well, whatever they do is already an improvement over the current banking system, even if it does ultimately become just as evil. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. That's the number if you want to weigh in, talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160. And you know, I recently had Comcast, uh, not Comcast, I keep wanting to call them Comcast, Spectrum out to upgrade my internet, and mm-hmm. I'm very happy with the service in general. I've never had an outage with them, and it's it's fast enough to do everything that I need it to do. Now, of course, you have a much better internet connection here. It's not available where I'm at. You mm. have a fiber connection. Uh, yeah, I can't believe it's available in Keene, but we've got it. Yeah, and it's a gig down and gig up, and it's like a, almost a tenth the price of what I'm paying, realistically. No, I'm paying uh, 270 a month. Oh, I thought it was 35 a month. Oh, God, no. Okay. No. Well, I don't know where I got 35 no, a month a, from then. There's a residential version that's available uh, for 70 which okay. is pretty awesome. I mean, that's that's a great price for a gigabit. It is. Yeah. So are you happy with your internet connection? Because I'm happy with mine. And I imagine a lot of listeners out there are happy with theirs. However, the U.S. government wants to change that. They're going to make it better. What are you talking about? Well, they want a greater role in how Americans access the internet. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. government having a greater role in anything has that's never improved that industry. Yeah. The Biden administration wants to recast broadband as a basic necessity in the infrastructure bill making its way through Congress. Uh, and which, by the way, was passed uh, by the Senate, what, two days ago or something like that? What is Tuesday- broadband? Sorry. Well, there are basically two types of ways to send data. One is uh, single band, which is just like one packet at a time over one wire, and broadband allows multiple at a time. So broadband is a class of different internet options like fiber and cable and stuff like that that are significantly faster than something like dial-up which is just one way at a time and one packet at a time so i think dial-up is duplex but it is not wide band meaning that there's not a lot of data i think it is duplex it can send and receive simultaneously correct Uh, but there's just not a lot of data that can pass over those lines whereas and that was a bad answer i learned that 12 years ago in college so and i have it given it any thoughts since about what the difference between broadband and narrowband is so 
I'm sure people out there... There's some sort of arbitrary distinction of, okay, this is a broadband connection, this is not. But I think you've made a good technical distinction on it. So Congress on Tuesday advanced the legislation that the Senate approved in the $1 trillion infrastructure bill, which allocates $65 billion in new taxpayer money to expand high-speed internet access for millions of unconnected households. Hold on. Didn't you tell me once, Bonnie, that your parents actually had dial-up at one point? Yep. Okay, so I would, you, you I was on Neopets and have to listen to that. I couldn't use it if somebody was on the phone or something like that's that. That's right, yeah, correct. I was using dial-up as recently as 2006. Oh, man. Well, this, wow. is, this was Mississippi, right? The, yeah. the options were satellite like um, uh-huh. uh, HughesNet or Wild Blue, right. which was extremely expensive. And then you only got like and, 17 gigabytes a month or right. something like and that. And high delay. Yeah, so it was not very good or... Dial-up. Man. I mean, it sucked. That's tough living. (laughs) But, I mean, eventually the problem solved itself. I mean, uh, cable didn't become accessible in those rural areas, but 3G did, and that was significantly faster. Then we just started tethering our phones, and then I moved to a place that wasn't, you know, the middle of nowhere in Mississippi, and I started using actual broadband. I was like, oh, okay, so this is nice. So you've experienced non-broadband connection, and so you now know what the difference is. Yeah, and I think that's why when you said when you first said the government wants to mandate broadband, I was like, isn't that a bad old thing? Because I haven't heard about it since the days of, we now have broadband right. connection. Yeah, these days, I mean, I imagine the amount of people on dial-up is very, very, very small. Yeah, even out, out in rural Mississippi, I can't yeah. imagine too many people are still using dial-up. Yeah, but once upon a time, I, I played World of Warcraft on dial-up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... It was actually manageable. I haven't had dial-up for 25 years. Uh, They first brought cable modems into Sarasota, Florida, which is where I'm from, in 1996. Nice. And we got it early on. So (laughs) I've been off dial-up for that long, and I would never go back. Yeah, I I would not either. I mean, even being from the South and, you know, rural Mississippi, I can't imagine anyone there is still using dial-up. Well, the... uh, Even my grandmother has AT&T broadband. I mean... It's terrible, and she pays way too much for it, and she wouldn't listen to me about better options, but she does have broadband. What's the thing? Uh, there's a Starlink. That's what it is. Uh, so Elon Musk is putting together a company, or already has put together and is in a beta test now, of this thing called Starlink, which is using low-Earth orbit satellites, a bunch of them, to transmit and receive internet signals wirelessly. Um, satellite basically but it's faster satellite because the satellites are literally closer to you than the ones that are way out there and so the speeds are and there's more of them yeah so the speeds are apparently amazing and this has begun the rollout in northern parts of north america so we actually may see a test a beta test of uh, our area of new hampshire by the end of this year or early 2022 I don't like Elon Musk, but I I think I'm curious enough that I, I would happily take part in this beta test. I've know? signed up for it actually. Oh really? So, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll try it out when it uh, when it gets up here. But that's going to be a game changer for those people in the rural areas who are either stuck with crappy satellite. Well, it's or a game changer up. for the entire world because, as that's I understand as well. it, there's basically just like two data pipes that connect the United States to the rest of the world that run across well, these oceans. I mean... This, I think it was Chris Wade who told me this, and I didn't had, eh. had never heard anything about it prior to that. What does that mean, data that. pipes? So like, if, literally underwater pipes? Yes. The internet is really tubes you can clog up? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you go and you look for underwater internet cables, and it'll come up with... Okay, here it is. Submarinecablemap.com. It's one of the most interesting, like, 
maps that you can look at, it shows all of these trunks, and there's way more than two. Okay. Um, I mean, you can look at just the Atlantic Ocean here, and it's, you know, there's a lot. Oh, wow, there yeah. are a lot more. Yeah, so maybe at one time, it might, a long well, time ago. I'm sure ago. it started with one. <laughs> right. There's some islands. Like, you have to be on a crappy island to only have two uh, trunks coming to your, you know, your location. Yeah. And so it's a pretty neat, neat little map because you can see where all the big sort of data junctions are uh, that are on the coastlines and all around the world, which is pretty fun. Very cool. Yeah. Well, it'll still be nice not to have to rely on actual pipes to communicate with the rest of the world. Instead, yeah. we have these satellites that are orbiting the Earth that are you know, allowing those communications to happen. And it'll allow, and you touched on this, it'll allow people in countries where there are very few internet connections available. Like you said, Imagine you in- how this could affect these sensors, these sensors in, in China. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean... In some nations, they will arrest you if you have a satellite dish. So they could just outlaw satellite dishes entirely. Uh, But nonetheless, people do still get their hands on those dishes. They smuggle them, right? Like it becomes a black market product. But then how do you hide that? They have, they have ways, um, and it's not easy to do that, and they have cops who go around looking for them, so, I mean, you're, you're taking a severe do. risk uh, in order to do that, but in order to get, you know, information uh, away from the government, that's, that's an option. Cuba, by the way, is one of, those, uh, one of those countries. I think Iran is another one. Um, so, this is really cool stuff that, uh, that's going on. The Starlink is going to allow people in uninternet connected countries because there's still billions of people in the world i mean we take it for granted we're like hey broadband we got it for years no biggie uh but in a lot of places they don't even have dial-up they have nothing as far as internet is concerned right well some of these countries i mean they they don't generally have running water and stuff like that correct well a lot of them do have electricity um but they don't have anything else you know that's all they got so this will be a game changer for a lot of those people as well, especially if it can be done affordably, which is always you know, a challenge for people in third world countries. Could this government bill potentially mess up Starlink? You know, well, I don't it? know. I don't know exactly what they're proposing. All, all she said or all Aria has said so far is that they're, they're calling it critical or whatever, that they think everyone should have it. It's like yes, a public a, utility. A, basic, a human right, yeah. basically, is how they want to characterize broadband access. And you know, I don't like that. I don't either, but I don't want to move on from Elon Musk yet because no. he's someone who I just don't understand. You know, the, these the stupid Tesla truck that he designed, mm. I, and I say that because it looks stupid. Sorry, Mark, if you're listening, that truck looks stupid. I suspect someone else designed it. He's just the guy that runs the company. Right. What Did I say he, he designed it? it? Yeah, he probably did approve it. Regardless, people on the internet characterize it as, you know, it's the ultimate boogaloo truck for whatever reason. And <laughs> okay. Then was he, it bulletproof glass or I, something? I don't recall. I think so. I don't believe it. But then he comes out with Starlink, which is which could be used to bypass, you know, internet censorship and things like that. So, well, that presumes that he won't be censoring the internet. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. But I, I just can't get my mind around, you know, what what is it that he's trying to do, and what is he trying to achieve? I don't know. He's a he's an eccentric, crazy billionaire, which you know. Yeah. You gotta love those guys. I mean, they they do interesting things, whether they're always useful or not. Not you know, sometimes you fail, right? You gotta throw a bunch of stuff up against the wall and see what sticks. Absolutely. So this legislation would require would wire communities across the country that companies haven't reached because it's not profitable, by the way, and subsidize bills for low income households. Private companies would be required to publish details about their products. And offer low-cost service plans if they take federal funds to help build networks. There's more coming up about how the federal government wants to destroy the Internet. You can join us, 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. 
After a devastating war, the alien visitors were driven back and their willing human collaborators were left behind to face the music. When Emma Jean Anderson's ex-lover springs her from prison, Nathan Foster and his 14-year-old nephew Ben are tasked with bringing the pair to justice. An easy enough job until they discover something is inside Emma Jean and the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. The Family Business by Mike Coopery from BaneBooks.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live 603. 603- 283-6160 if you want to weigh in on how the government has plans to make the internet suck again. 603-283-6160. This legislation, uh, proponents say, recast broadband service as a necessity more akin to water and electricity to which everyone should have access. Government estimates say about 14 million Americans live in areas without high-speed internet as of 2019, but officials acknowledge that data is incomplete, and private estimates put the figure at 40 million or higher. So roughly 1 in, one in 10 Americans, 1 in 9 Americans without broadband access, evidently. I don't know how true that is, and I, I imagine it excludes wireless cellular coverage. Because I've seen some of these coverage maps, and unless you're out in the in the desert of New Mexico, right, you you probably have decent three G or four G or even five G coverage. It's a more robust government role in a key part of the economy," said Raman Murthy, deputy director of the White House National Economic Council. It's an opportunity, another opportunity to show the government really can work for the people. For the broadband industry, which has flourished for decades without strict governmental oversight, the initiative set off alarm bells while telecom and cable giants ranging from AT&T to Comcast stand to benefit in the near term from a big infusion of cash if the bill becomes law. Industry officials worry about the precedent this sets for greater government intrusion in their business. Some aspects of the legislation have drawn industry complaints, at least privately, including provisions that empower federal and state officials to direct how new subsidies are spent, regulate pricing disclosures, and authorize new rules preventing, quote, digital discrimination. The details on implementation and inevitable unintended consequences are going to matter, said the CEO of U.S. Telecom, a trade association for broadband providers such as AT&T and Verizon. Some in Washington continue to be chronically allergic to the notion that America's broadband providers today, right now, deliver world-class connectivity, affordable and valuable service plans, reliability, and network capacity that have been a technological and economic boon. Many providers, however... So is the industry group guy yes. saying that? Okay. So are the is the industry group opposing this, or are they in favor of it? It sounds like they're opposing it. Uh, they they know mm-hmm. that they would benefit in the short term from you know mm-hmm. this this sudden uh, what was it sixty five billion dollars that they would be given to provide internet access to these companies. But they also it comes with these things that concern them, like regulate uh, regulated pricing and new rules mm-hmm. to prevent quote digital discrimination, whatever that's supposed to mean. Meaning turning somebody off if they can't pay, 
right? Because if they're saying is that, that what they mean? Well, it could be. If they're saying that internet is now on the level of power and water, they're saying this is a human right sort of utility. This is something that you need to have in order to survive, basically, which is ridiculous. Uh, but that's what they're saying. And there, there have been people in uh, you know Congress and D.C. that have been pushing this narrative for a long time. Certainly. This isn't the first time that the federal government has gotten involved in build-outs of Internet. Uh, there's, This has been going on for some amount of time. Yeah, so. that's how we had the whole joke about the Internet being, you know, a series of tubes. It was one of their attempts to was do that something a like this. For that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I believe it. Because I, and I presume that the new, what's called New Hampshire Fast Roads, have you ever heard of this? I have not. Uh, so I'll look it up and double check this, but I'm pretty sure that was federally funded or at least partially federally funded. And what it was, was the money that was spent by the state of New Hampshire to build out a fiber network around New Hampshire. Because New Hampshire is one of those rural states. I mean, yeah. you know, we live in a quote-unquote city here in Keene that's really just a small town of 23,000 people in the middle of in the, the woods. woods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the rest of New Hampshire, like New Hampshire is like 96 plus percent woods, basically. So basically we live in the woods here. And yeah, you have to actually think before walking on one of these hiking trails that there is a, there is a possibility you will encounter a bear. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we are in the woods. And that was something I hadn't thought about until I was actually walking my dog out there. I was like, you know what? I could actually run into a bear. And I don't remember what you're supposed to do if you run into a bear. I should probably look into that. At least Ian said they're slow. But I'm slow, too. So, I only have to outrun the dog. <laughs> I know that sounds horrible. Anyway, this Fast Roads thing's been going on for some number of years where the government funded a lot of the fiber rollout here now i don't know if it's the same fiber that other fiber um, people are using i don't think it is i think there's different like internet trunks or whatever that are connected you know to some fiber rollout so i think for instance consolidated communications i believe they have their own network that it's separate from fast roads but the our guy on on friday night i believe um chris wade I believe his internet connection currently at his house is on the Fast Roads network. So, I mean, it's there. You might as well use it. And it's sure. apparently not terrible. But the government's been involved in this for some time. This sounds like it's taking it to the next level and is going to have a lot more strings attached to it, perhaps, this the, time. The fact that they would name something that's just internet Fast Roads sounds like they do want to make it like this is a critical infrastructure. Yes, I've been raking my brain the whole time that we've been talking about this, trying to think about what they mean regarding digital discrimination, because I don't think it's people not being able to pay their bills. I seem to recall a story that we covered maybe a year ago of an Internet company that was trying to restrict access to Facebook or or some other website for their customers. I don't recall the specifics, though, and I've been trying to, and I think that's what they're getting at. This says digital discrimination is a form of discrimination whereby users are automatically treated unfairly, unethically, or just differently based on their personal data by a machine learning system. That might have not told us anything. Okay, so presumably if they were watching a lot of Netflix or whatever, their provider could get upset, or if they were torrenting using a lot of data... Examples include low-income neighborhoods targeted with high-interest loans, women being undervalued by 21% in online marketing. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. How? We don't. They market to us the most. I, I don't know. That's. I. 
That's and, a bizarre example of digital discrimination. The first one, at least. An online ad suggestive of arrest records appearing more often with searches of black-sounding names than white-sounding names. So those are some examples. Interesting. Some in Washington continue... Oh, I covered that already. Sparsely populated areas are difficult for any communications provider to serve due to the cost of building and maintaining the network infrastructure, said mm-hmm. Lumen Technologies Incorporated. This is an issue I had in Mississippi. I, I was in a small town, and I wanted Comcast to specially build me a cable so that I could use Comcast high-speed internet. Mm-hmm. And they wanted like $12,000. To roll to the do, cable out. Yeah, yeah, just to do that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I see your point. It's not right. worth it for one customer. I mean, even if I was going to pay that $12,000, it's not worth it to me at that point. That's the thing. It's like... If you want to live out in the middle of nowhere, it's got its benefits in that sure. your neighbors are far away. But it's also got its downsides in that you probably don't have internet access. And you shouldn't have a guarantee of internet access that everyone else is forced to pay for because you wanted to live away from people. Excellent point. And, and ultimately, while they're going to argue that this benefits the the poor... There's also a lot of wealthy people that live far away from people that purposely build their closed, gated communities well outside of town, out you know to out in the boonies where the land's cheap and they can develop it however they want to, which is again not you know that's great. Live well, where you want, but just understand you shouldn't be able to get your internet on the backs of all of the people in the cities and the other taxpayers that are in the small towns or whatever that are that are having to pay for this. Well, they're painting it as you know a benefit to the poor, but realistically, it's going to basically just be a benefit for these high-speed internet companies that are going to make a lot of money but even they are are you know not necessarily jumping on the bandwagon because they're upset about the the um strings attached thank you yes right the white house and congressional democrats hope to follow up the infrastructure bill with a separate three and a half trillion dollar spending plan that would create new government roles in electricity production and transmission child care elder care pre-k and community college The Senate passed a budget blueprint early Wednesday, the first step in that arduous process. Three and a half trillion dollar spending plan. Inflation, all time highs. It's coming. It's It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us, 603-283-6160, if you want to weigh in on how the government plans to just, in general, make everything worse. 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And we were just talking during the break about Fast Roads, and it's all of the money that it got, and it's just... Over $100 million in seven years. And it ultimately failed... And was bought out by a private company, which was then acquired by a different private company. And those, by the way, were federal grants, the $110 million. So there's already a ton of federal money being thrown at this build-out of rural area fiber connections, which this company, well, quote-unquote, I'm going to say company with quotes around it because it's it's part of the what they call the Monadnock Economic Development Group. 
And that is. It sounds like a government thing. It's basically a front corporation to allow the government to do things that governments can't do. So they file, you know, create their own corporation, basically, that, hey, we're not running this, but we're funding it. And mm. it's not us. You know, right. We can do these things. We can build things now that we couldn't build as the city or, or whatever, because it's not, it's not the government. Uh, and so they owned this Fast Roads, as I understand it, which was a, one of its subcorporations, and that they helped to create. That received and they screwed it up. Yeah, that received the hundred and ten million in federal grants. Um, so they're basically trying to make a a middle road. I think is the terminology they use. That middle was, mile fiber, middle mile, and that was, as I understand it, just like the mainline fiber pipe across New Hampshire, essentially. Yeah, and then off to... of that, there were going to be numerous branches that were connected to various towns and stuff like that. Correct, and, and they only completed two of these things that were being called the last miles, which, as I understand it, were the actual final connections to the towns. Yeah, so the Orford, New Hampshire, I'd never heard of it before talking about it just now. It's north of uh, Lebanon, so it's about, probably about two hours north of Keene. What's the population? Um, 500? 1,237 okay. in 2010. So... Basically, it's it was a, a run of fiber from the southwestern of New Hampshire up sort of the the the, the western side of, of the state, and it was supposed to connect all these little towns, but it only ended up connecting on the last mile, meaning the the build out of the actual connections into the communities, only Ringe and Orford. So the beginning and the end points of this thing were the only two places where it got built out. And Isn't so, Ringe here? Oh, it so is. It's one in this area. end and the other end, Correct. but no, not in the middle. Yeah, and so nothing else did, and after seven years, roughly, or after several years, they sold, the government corporation sold Fast Roads to a private company, and now they're building it up. Yes, because now it is available here in Keene, presumably. I mean, well, yes, I mean, if, they've been available, that's been available here for a few years. So the private company is doing, not surprisingly, better than the government company was doing. As I understand it. So it's a total, you know, government boondoggle, and who knows who got rich off of that $110 million. The bulk of this roughly $1 trillion infrastructure measure the Senate passed Tuesday goes to industries that have long been heavily subsidized and regulated, such as roads, bridges, public transit, and Amtrak. And that's how they're billing it. You know, it's an infrastructure package. Mm. Don't Don't you want to build the roads? Don't you want better roads? I don't know. I think the government has proven that they suck at building roads. Yes, they they are constantly redoing them here in Keene. It's annoying. There, there are two seasons here, snow season and road construction season. I don't understand why they did what they just did on Route 101, which I have to drive regularly. They, they took up the top layer of pavement, from what mm-hmm. I can tell, making the whole thing bumpy. I was thinking, okay... They're going to repave it, sure. but they didn't. No. They just painted white lines down it. They just painted <laughs> new lines. So now you've got this bumpy, almost really? undrivable stretch of highway, a major part of the highway. How weird. Wow, I haven't been going that way to work. I've been going the branch roadway through Roxbury, and they're also digging it up there, but it looks like there was a lot of water damage they, with the month of rain. They must be planning on doing something. They're but just why not would doing they, it right why away. Why would they paint it? <laughs> it's... Taking them longer I than guess. they expect. I mean, the company; these companies know how to milk the government for the maximum amount of money, right? So, like, they oh, did install whoops. a new light there on Route 101. Oh, oh, whoops! Uh, this this project is costing more than we thought it was going to. We've got delays. The oh, look, the product cost has gone up in the middle of the project. We're sorry, but we just can't finish the job. You're going to have to give us twice as much. 
Yeah, you know that's what they do in San Antonio. They were always working on the highways, like every like every single day. Sure. And then during COVID, they just stopped. Like, oh, it's COVID. We have to stop. So it's well, so bad. But, okay, that's their excuse. But yeah. also, there's people who quit. So oh. a bunch of the workers. When I was in jail, um, being held for these ridiculous crypto six charges uh, for a couple of months, I kept hearing ads on the radio for road workers. Like the private companies that the government hires to do these road right. jobs. I mean, they were advertising heavy. It's like, hey, if you've got experience doing road work, it was a full 60-second ad just you know, dedicated to hiring people. We'll start you at $25 an hour. We're desperate, basically. Come on out. You know, Give us a call. We're waiting by the phones. I don't understand it, man. From what I can tell, every industry is hiring. Yeah. Where the hell are all the workers? Well, okay, so we had this conversation before, and then I heard something, like, our question was, okay, well, if unemployment is so low, and in New Hampshire, it's much lower than the national average. I believe it's over 5% unemployment nationally, but New Hampshire is below 3%. Yeah. Like 2.5 or something. or something like that. Um, And so our question was, how can there be such low unemployment? Yeah, because this wasn't the case two years ago. And so many jobs are available. How is that possible? Well- Unemployment doesn't measure every everybody, right? It measures only people that are like looking for work or something. So if oh, you're yeah. technically not looking, you're not unemployed, even if you don't have a job. Right. See what I'm saying? So there's that factor. And then another thing was, well, okay, they're going to end the um, they're ending the unemployment benefits, right? So people are just taking the unemployment. They're they're enjoying all these freebies, right. but they're cutting that off. Supposedly, aren't they just cutting off like the three hundred dollars extra? So they're That's still not getting clear. it. There may be some amount available. I think that may be true. And also, don't forget, there's a moratorium on evicting people. So there are literally people out there who not only are they not working, they also don't have to pay the rent. Oh, but they will soon. Well, they've extended the moratorium. Have they? Yeah, at the last minute. Actually, the it was after Court the last just minute. decided that was unconstitutional. I uh, believe that... Okay, we may have... I believe that was earlier in the year they decided it was unconstitutional. Yeah, right? I thought it was just a month or two ago. Yeah. And I, a lot of the, I thought a lot of the moratoriums were expiring because they only got like one year of delay. And that one year for a lot of these people is now expiring. Or at least that's how I understood it. So you have these people who are unemployed, just sitting at home, getting unemployment benefits, not paying rent, not paying their, their house note, and... Not having to pay electricity because there was also a moratorium on electrical disconnects and presumably water bills and stuff like that. So, okay, that makes sense. They, they're not working because they simply don't, don't have, have to. to. All they have to do is buy food. And with whatever small amount of unemployment that they may still be getting, uh, then that should be enough to buy food. So these people are just... And according to this, the last extension ended July 31st, but due to intense pressure from congressional Democrats... The CDC issued yet another extension because somehow the CDC can just go ahead and put a moratorium on people who are being total losers and, you know, can't be evicted from their house. Extended through October 3rd now. I swear I thought I saw the U.S. Supreme Court had said that was unconstitutional, but I don't recall. But what's interesting is a lot of these people are soldiers, which is a, a, a violation of one's Third Amendment rights. They're being forced to quarter soldiers. Brute force. 
intransigent defiance, adamantine will. These are the hallmarks of the AI tank. These gigantic machines have the firepower of an army, but they also have their own sense of honor and duty. When the world breakers arrive, battle will be joined, planets will shake, and war and peace will never be the same again. World Breakers. Stories from David Weber, Larry Correa, and more. Available August 3rd from BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live. You're welcome to join us and share your opinions, talk about whatever we've been discussing, or talk about whatever you're passionate about. 603-283-6160 is the number for you to do that. And I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. It is the best place to go to learn about cryptocurrency. Just click Getting Started at the top, watch a couple of minutes of videos, and you'll know the basics of this world-changing technology And it is world-changing, and the world is just going to continue becoming more and more Bitcoin-centric. The ship hasn't sailed. There's still plenty of time to get involved in it. So check that out, Bitcoin.com. But if you are already into cryptocurrency and you want to stay up to date on what's happening, news.bitcoin.com is the place to go. It has all the news that's relevant to you, all on a sleek and easy-to-use website. That's news.bitcoin.com. And on the subject of Bitcoin, AMC, the... Movie production company, movie theater chain, they don't streaming movies. service. They don't? Yeah, theater chain. Okay. Yeah. They are looking at accepting Bitcoin, evidently, and they, they plan to be accepting it by 2022, which actually is just a few months away. Yeah, yeah. Um, according to Cointelegraph.com, they had a conference call Monday regarding their quarter two results, and the AMC chairperson CEO Adam Aaron revealed the cinema chain intends to have the infrastructure ready to accept Bitcoin payments for online movie tickets by the end of 2021. Now, wow, what's not said here is what that is going to be. What infrastructure are they using? Who are they going to... Oh, I'm sure it's BitPay. I mean, that's what all of the big companies go to. Well, if it is BitPay, then that's good news because that means that they'll be accepting something besides Bitcoin, likely, because no Mm, one is going to want to use Bitcoin unless they go with the Lightning Network, which is still not ready for prime time, from what I understand of the Lightning Network. So I can't imagine AMC trying to implement the Lightning Network. Yeah, imagine all the customer service issues and... It would be bad. <clears throat> it so, seems to have been. It seems to have worked out for Newegg. I mean, they, they accept BitPay, and as a result of that, they accept I, close to twenty-five different cryptocurrencies. I think has BitPay added that many? There are a lot. I, I mean, I don't know. Wow. I haven't looked at it in obviously several months. But the last I looked, um, when I first built my gaming PC, huh. like about a year ago, that there were all sorts of options available. That's Newegg fantastic. is computer. Uh, like a computer online thing? Correct. Yeah, they're probably the top internet yeah. de- dealer of computer They have branched parts. out a lot. Now they're doing automotive parts and some other types of things. So, I mean, they, they're doing well. And they do accept cryptocurrencies as payments via BitPay. They should use AnyPay. So BitPay is currently using or accepting, as far as what you can accept through BitPay, Bitcoin BTC, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, Wrapped Bitcoin, which is, don't want to explain that, but uh, Dogecoin. Good for them. Uh, Litecoin, and then five USD-pegged stable coins, including PAX, DAI, BUSD, USDC, and GUSD. Okay, so it wasn't as many as I thought. 
That's that's closer still, to twelve than twenty. Yeah, still though, it's it's options. So it is, uh, and we're presuming we don't know exactly what AMC is going to do. But odds are good they're not going to roll their own cryptocurrency acceptance uh, platform. So they're going to sign on with somebody, and it's likely going to be BitPay. Uh, Which, but, I mean, good for a bit, Pay As far as I can tell, they're doing good work. Yeah, they, they are. Uh, while details regarding AMC's plan to accept Bitcoin are scant, the CEO reported strong demand for buying movie tickets with crypto from their customers. That's a surprising revelation. Yeah, quarter two results showed significant improvements, by the way, compared to last year. Because over the last year, we've talked about, or last 18 months, I guess now at this point, we've talked a lot about the old media business and how the quote-unquote pandemic and the forced government response to it forced a lot of companies basically into complete bankruptcy or closure and or dramatically changing total business models like going to online distribution for movies instead of movie theaters. Yeah, AMC is a movie theater chain and movie theaters throughout most of 2020 were closed. Yeah, and a lot of them never came back. Right. Uh, The IMAX theater here in New Hampshire, that company went out of business. Uh, now, from what I have heard, rumors that there might be a company buying the property and they may, you know, try to make it live again. But that company itself closed all of their theaters and they're gone. So, and they're not the only. Well, they had no yeah. revenue. Yeah. So, what choice did they have? Uh, quarter two results showing significant improvements compared to last year, reporting four hundred and forty-four million dollars in revenue compared to quarter two of twenty twenty, which was only eighteen point nine. So, significant improvements. Yeah, there's been a bit of a comeback. Uh, now their net losses also declined, so they're still losing money. Uh, Five hundred sixty-one million d- is what they declined to, uh, from, rather, to three hundred forty-nine million. Along with adopting BTC payments, AMC also announced plans to open more than a dozen locations, which seems optimistic, uh, in the United States. Europe. Well, if they have Bitcoin, it's yeah. it's more feasible for them than it is for a lot of other movie theater chains. Yeah, that's why I say you know maybe it's too little, too late in that. Yeah, I'm not saying it's too late to get Bitcoin. I suspect we're still in the beginning phases of the price going up for Bitcoin, but we oh, can't so predict the future. I don't think we're even at like 5% adoption at this point. Not even. So, I mean, if 5% generate enough demand to take it to $62,000 or whatever it peaked at, then I can only imagine what 20, 30% of the population demanding and using Bitcoin is really going to drive the price up too, but it's probably half a million dollars per bitcoin or something like that so yeah the real like you said the real revelation of this story is that customers are demanding this yeah that, that is AMC surprising is responding it, enough customers have asked amc to use bitcoin that amc was like okay yeah we'll do it yeah. and by the end of this year yeah very exciting there's not really much else to say here they talk about the amc stock price which of course got a, a boost earlier this year during the wall street bets thing with gamestop amc was sort of the also buy uh, during oh, the that's right, it thing. was. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. And it's uh, it's up 1,200% year to date. So a year ago, it was $2.60. It is now $34. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's it's good news for all of the people out there who are interested in cryptocurrency. And it's a reminder that, you know, you should be out there emailing companies that you use, asking them if they're willing to accept cryptocurrency, because it clearly has a result. I've done this in the past with some online games that I played before, and None of them expressed any interest in it, even you know when Bitcoin was at the height of $62,000. However, if enough people did that, they would change their minds because that's what it takes to get cryptocurrency adopted is people going in and asking business owners, emailing businesses saying, hey, would you be interested in taking cryptocurrency? If enough people do that, yeah. 
then they ultimately will. And then, and I think you're going to have more success now than ever before because obviously crypto is now a serious competitor to you know on the financial field. Whereas five years ago, anyone could blow it off like what's this thing? It's just an internet fad. Uh, but now it's clearly not a fad. It's clearly got staying power. It's now over $40,000. 46 I think, today is the price nice. of a Bitcoin. So it's tremendously successful. And if a 101-year-old company, which is AMC, founded in 1920... Wow. If they can Almost see, as old as the Federal Reserve, the fiat currency yeah. that is currently being destroyed by the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve. If this old company can figure this out, this dinosaur can figure out, okay, let's do this, then you can do it too. You know, like get with the program. I look forward to seeing the world where, you know, you can subscribe to someone on YouTube or whatever by using cryptocurrency Mm. or where you can buy a game from Microsoft Xbox using cryptocurrency. Oh, I commented on my favorite YouTuber the other day. I was like, you should put up a QR code for donations. I'd donate to you. Mm-hmm. I just love him. Well, then there's also Odyssey, which does allow you to actually tip your favorite uh, creators. That's true. Directly cool. in library credits, I assume. And you can also use dollars. Oh, okay. They've got a new dollar tipping uh, system, which goes through... Which provider is that? I forget. Anyway, I think it's Stripe. The big ones. Yeah, Stripe. I don't know how I knew that, but didn't know that off the top of my head that they were accepting USD tips. But it's, it's strange how brains work. But anyway, this is good news. Yeah, good luck to AMC. I mean, I hope this keeps them alive. You know, it seems I like, like it would, man. I like movie theaters. I don't go to them often. Yeah. But you know, I like the fact that they exist still. Well, it's got to be better for them than accepting USD because Bitcoin is steadily going up and USD is steadily going down. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Bitcoin, you can't say it's steadily going up because it goes up and down constantly. But over time, it's tending towards going up. Yes. Um, you know the dollar is going to go down in value. You don't know what's going to happen to Bitcoin, but at least it can go up. Whether it will or not, we can't predict the future. But we can predict with all certainty that the dollar will go down in value. And that's the, that's the issue with fiat currencies. Like governments just print them and create them and destroy them. We need competition. Stop but calling it fiat. Yes, apparently someone is very <laughs> upset about that. That's yeah. coming up. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us, 603-283-6160, if you want to do that. That's 603-283-6160. And you know, this guy's upset that we call it fiat currency when we talk about the USC, but you know, it just occurred to me, would he prefer we call it flat currency? Because that's what a lot of people would do, including news reporters who talk about things like, you know, the Crypto 6. They're so clueless on the subject that they don't even know that the word is fiat. They're misreading it. Yeah, I mean, they, they just see it and they think it's flat. Do you really want to take your news from someone who doesn't have the basic understanding of what they're talking about to even know what a fiat currency is? Yeah, your average reporter probably has no idea. They're yeah. dollars. They're flat. Well, they, they are flat. That's true. Their and, value isn't flat, though. And, you know, I, I sympathize with them to an extent because when I first saw the word fiat, I, I also thought it was flat. Mm. because it, it At a glance, yeah, it could look that way. But it didn't take me long to realize that, no, it's, it's fiat, and fiat means by decree, and that's what makes it a fiat currency is that the government has decreed it to be 
the currency of the land. So it is by definition a fiat currency. But this person, whoever it is, is upset that we're presumably besmirching the great name of the USD by having the audacity to call it a fiat currency. Yeah, I've been holding on to this one for a few weeks now because it's pretty pretty entertaining. The actual headline here is from uh, Financial Times, which thanks to Archive.today for helping us get past some of these pesky paywalls uh, out there. Financial Times and the author is Brendan Greeley. Headline, let's all please stop calling dollars fiat money. Please. But, but it is fiat money. Currencies are not memes that only have value because the government say they do. That's the subheader. But... But it does only have value because the government says it does. <laughs> well, let's let him make his <laughs> argument here, okay? I mean, okay, I, I will let him make his argument, but so far, I think he's an idiot. Sometimes it's possible to simplify something too much. More than a decade ago, Ben Bernanke, then chair of the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors, sat down for an interview with 60 Minutes, the television show that important Americans call when they have important things to say. Bernanke. <laughs> uh, that's just a weird thing to say. Does anyone watch 60 Minutes anymore? Now, is this tongue-in-cheek? Like an this... 80-year-old grandmother, maybe? Bernanke was explaining how the Fed had responded to the financial crisis. When he got to the asset purchase programs, the host asked whether the Fed was spending taxpayers' money. Quote, it's not taxpayer money, tax money, he said. The banks have accounts with the Fed, much in the same way that you have an account in a commercial bank. So to lend to a bank, we simply use the computer to mark up the size of the account that they have at the Fed. Unquote. The host- so they just generate the money out of thin air like we were talking about earlier. They just say, okay, well... You have a million dollars now instead of 600000 And the host asked him whether the Fed had been printing money, and Bernanke said, well, effectively. Yes, but not much of it is actually, I think like 3% of the actual money supply is actually physically printed. And that's what he meant when right. he said effectively, is we're incrementing numbers in a computer. The numbers which make, being which the, makes it easier than ever for them to yeah. just inflate the ever-loving hell out of the currency, because now they don't even have to print it. They just have to add a few zeros to a, to a spreadsheet. Yeah, printing it would be too much work. And cost more money. Yeah. You know, As this, Venezuela learned and had to start you know, outsourcing the printing of their money to a different nation. Well, remember last we saw, I think it was the cost of minting a penny is like three cents or something like that. So it's a, it's a loser to actually mint uh, the pennies. Now, technically, I think that's the treasury that does that, the U.S. Mint. That's different from the Federal Reserve, but they're all somehow really? tied in. I don't know how all that It's all very all confusing. I have a wheat penny in my car. Is it worth three cents, maybe? I, I doubt it. What is a wheat penny? It's from 1944, and it has a picture of wheat on the back instead of, like, I think it's the capital that it usually has on the back. Does it actually have copper? I guess so. If it's 1944, it's actually copper. I have no idea. At any rate, it's probably worth more than a 2020 penny. I always give them to my dad, but he lives in another state. It still ain't worth bending over for. No. Whatever it is. It's a penny. It actually fell in between my feet. You know, I'm convinced that whoever invented the penny and whoever continues keeping them in circulation is a misanthrope who just absolutely hates human beings. (laughs) Tortures people. Yeah, because they're not worth it to bend over and pick up. (laughs) But their profile is so small that they're impossible to just sweep up off the floor, Mm. meaning it forces you to pick it up up and throw it into the trash where it belongs. (laughs) So it is like the, the... 
it's not worth bending over and picking up, but it's designed to force you to bend over and pick it up. And it's not worth printing anymore, but they keep doing it. Of course they do. So the story here again continues. It's an opinion piece, uh, the Financial Times. He wasn't wrong, of course. He's Ben Bernanke. You might disagree with his policy choices, but he certainly knows how money is created. That quote from 60 Minutes, though, still comes up often more than a decade later. When Bernanke simplified what the Fed does, he confirmed for a lot of people the deeply mistaken idea that the Fed simply magics up dollars out of nothing and then, by fiat, says, there, that's money. Okay, but Isn't that exactly th- what they do? That's what Ben Bernanke literally just said they do. There's a problem with the word fiat. We use it to describe our current monetary system. Then we teach undergraduates that the word comes from the Italian for decree or edict. We tell them that fiat money is a social convention. It has value because the government says it does and everyone agrees. Cameron Winklevoss, co-founder of the crypto exchange Gemini, says that, quote, all money is a meme, unquote. That's what he was taught at Harvard while he was doing the other thing he's famous for. They're referencing Facebook. This is unfortunately not at all how money works says the author here. The first description I could find of money as fiat comes from John Stuart Mill, the English philosopher in Principles of Political political Economy. Mill proposed a hypothetical. Suppose a government began paying salaries in a paper money that couldn't be converted on demand into silver or gold. Because back then, paper money was convertible into silver or gold. So this guy was promoting an idea that was a new idea. The value of that money, he wrote... Quote, would depend on the fiat of the authority, unquote. Well, yeah, if the U.S. Department of Treasury were to print up carnival tickets, spend them into the economy and call them dollars, the value of those dollars would depend on the fiat of Congress. But that's not what the Treasury does, and that's not what a dollar is. He says if you live No, in- the value isn't determined by fiat. The value is determined by how much of it is in circulation and how much demand there is for it. It's, Congress it, doesn't set the value of the USD. The market does, whether, whether Congress likes it or not. It's also not the value isn't set by the design on the dollar. If they started printing out carnival tickets, it would be exactly the same. Correct. If you live in the U.S., the dollars you use most often in your daily life are bank dollars. Your bank creates them, to come back around to the discussion we had earlier, when it loans you money then deposits them in your account. Bank dollars don't have value just because your bank says they do. Your bank has regulators poking into its books to make sure those loans are sound assets with decent returns. And your bank pays premiums to the FDIC. Did this person miss the 2007 recession that was caused by (laughs) banks having a bunch of loans that were bad Bad? loans? Yeah. Uh, Well, now everything's okay. Oh, oh, that's right. You can trust your bank now. Obama fixed everything. I forgot. And your bank pays premiums to the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation to guarantee your deposits in case it fails anyway. If bank dollars are just a social convention, a meme, then your mortgage is just a meme too. Well. Yep. (laughs) It kind of is, yeah. yeah. Especially when you don't have to pay it. That's true, and and it's all based on the the dollar. So you know, it's- I mean, banks have been sued over this in the past. I, the First Bank of Montgomery versus Jerome Daly. Of course, they've closed these loopholes now. But he argued before the court that you know they didn't actually put up any consideration for the property. They just invented the money on the books, and so therefore he shouldn't. And so yes, so they couldn't foreclose on him. And the judge actually agreed and sided with them. But really, yes, uh, this was back in like the. 30s, I think. Oh, wow. And I mean, all of those loopholes have since been closed, obviously. Yeah, I think what you guys pointed out here is the most important point is that this guy thinks that fiat means that the government determines the value. 
And that's what he's arguing against, and he's not wrong about that point, but that's not really what he's... He's right. not grasping that the market actually decides. Yeah, the government just says, this is your money, and then the market decides how much that money is worth. Right. But the Venezuelan government can shout from the rooftops about how much they think their money is worth. In fact, they have an official exchange rate for the Venezuelan Bolivar. It's something like 87,000 to 1. But, but the, the real exchange rate on the black market is over 4 million Venezuelan Bolivar to one U.S. dollar. Now so what, yeah, Venezuela later. is a good example of a com- of a nation attempting by fiat to decide its currency's value. Correct. But in general, when we say fiat currency, we don't mean that the U.S. government says this. This is how much this one is worth. And didn't we talk about that like last week? The Venezuelan Bolivar. I, I wasn't on for that show, but I believe you did. Yeah. How they just knocked three zeros off of it. Oh no, no, no! They they knocked five zeros off in 2018, and they're going to knock six off coming up in October. So what six. you're saying is, if the Americans just or people holding the dollar just started realizing how worthless it is and stopped valuing it, it wouldn't have value. Well, the the federal government doesn't set the price of the dollar on the market like the Venezuelan government does, so it's harder to, you know, say that there's a different rate for the dollar. We can talk more about it coming up. Coming up on that, it's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. If you want to join us, that's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria, Bonnie, and Ian. And we're here essentially because of the freedom migration to New Hampshire as organized by the Free State Project. And one of the things that we're major advocates of here is secession from the United States because the United States... It's just a mess at this point. It's out of control. It's tyrannical. And it's absolutely absurd to have a large population of people in California ultimately determining who is going to be the ultimate ruler over the people of New Hampshire. I think when anyone gives serious consideration to that, they realize how absurd it really is. And I I hope to see secession relatively soon from the United States. I, I I don't expect to see it, but I hope to see it. I think it could happen in our lifetime. I, I think there's significantly more support for secession in New Hampshire than we probably realize. I mean, a lot of the I hope so. A lot of the New Hampshire natives are distrusting of the federal government. Just yes. that's part of their that's nature. Their nature yeah. And you know, then the Free State Project came along and just sort of pushed them further in that direction, if anything. So I think there's lots to look forward to in the near future, but let's go to the phones. We've got El Conejo calling. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to say I made it to the Porcupine Freedom Fest, and it was 
one of the most amazing experiences in my life. Why? I, I just vibed with everyone. and Well, it, it was just, uh, I walked around with just a deep-seated contentment because mm. everyone was on the same page for once. And since, I don't know, when did, the, when, when did America die? 2000, September 11th, 2001. Um, you know, I had a similar experience with my first Porcupine Freedom Festival. I mean, it was the first place I had ever felt, you know, at home, at mm. peace and welcomed by everyone that I encountered. It was a exactly. tremendously positive but, experience. So I've been planning to move there. I'll be there. Well, I, I, I was, I was going to be there in a couple months, but I do have one criticism. Hmm. So over the past couple of months, I've been listening to Mark Edge's criticisms. And okay. I have decided against moving to New Hampshire. Really? Really? Um, Why? Yeah. So you're no longer moving here? No. Um, and it's because of Mark Edge? It, it just, you're joking, right? Well, it just sounds like... Uh, his like trailer park compound with 18 foot concrete <laughs> okay. walls in um, one of the most unstable nations in the world with the highest murder per capita. <laughs> it just, guys, I, I I'm really happy I to hear you're joking. Oh, well. <laughs> I, I, I know that also, I want to be a textile worker. So <laughs> right. I want to be a textile worker living in this two bedroom, one bathroom shack in this place that has not been developed. It's just a field, right? Yeah. You're I'm, referring to the conversation that Mark and you had and Conan on Tuesday night show where he yes. was responding to a discussion we had the previous <laughs> night because he can't actually talk to me because of the ridiculous bail conditions that I'm under. Uh, but I'm sure I would have you you did as fine of a job as I could have uh, talking to him about his his ideas. Oh, thanks. I tried. I mean, I don't know nearly as much of these successes that have happened here in New Hampshire as you do. But yeah. You know, Jeremy Kaufman helped laid out a lot of them. And sure, they, they are minor successes, but they are successes and they aren't just, you know, fields upon which one could build a libertarian paradise, but upon which there is nothing at the moment. And as you mentioned, that well, I mean, the, it does have like the highest murder rate per capita in the world. Honduras, and, not New Hampshire. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So New Hampshire probably one of the lowest rates of violent crimes. New in the Hampshire United is States, actually right? either number one or number two, depending on the year. It's a trade off between Vermont and New Hampshire as far as murder rates are concerned. Very. Well, very, you very mean low. number fifty lowest. Thank you. Yeah, I mean the number one lowest. Sorry, <laughs> very very few murders per hundred thousand. So you are still planning to move to New Hampshire. That that's good to hear. Yeah, and you're you coming from there for California. A Is that where you're at, El Canejo? Where are you? Where are you located? Uh, uh, FEMA Region 19. I don't know what that is. Are you in Arizona, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So whereabouts in the beautiful I, state of New Hampshire have you have you picked as your landing spot? Well, my location changes every day because uh, everything I say is fiction or satire online or. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I, I do want to say one thing about Mark's projects. Yeah. I, I do think it there is something valid to having a marketplace where if you are abused, you just move somewhere else. If we did have a gigantic marketplace place of locations, you could just, okay, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> I'm taking sure. yeah. all of my wealth and tax base or whatever. Not, not that I want anyone paying taxes, but. Well, I certainly like what Mark is doing, and I and I support it. However, I, I, do I, I don't think it's a zero sum game where we have to be just all about the free state project or all about free private cities. You know, I support both of these things. I have picked 
New Hampshire as my home, but if one of these free private cities actually developed and became this libertarian paradise... I'd have to give it serious consideration. Yeah, But until that happens, the Free State Project appears to be the best path toward freedom that we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, just apparently on Tuesday, the governor, who, you know, we've got our criticisms of him, but he signed a bill... Uh, medical marijuana bill. So over ever since medical cannabis passed in 2012, they've been sort of loosening the restrictions slowly over time. And uh, they're loosening them further to allow marijuana to treat opioid use disorder. So people who are addicted to heroin and other opiates are now able to get a prescription for medical cannabis in New Hampshire as of, I, I mean, I presume it starts soon, if not immediately on Tuesday. And, and New Hampshire is finally opening their first dispensary, aren't they? No, New Hampshire's had four or five dispensaries oh, for the last few years. Okay. Uh, they just opened one in Keene this past, within the last six months or so. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking then. Um, but uh, And speaking of dispensaries, they're also going to be allowing out-of-state patients to shop in New Hampshire now at dispensaries. So it used oh, you've got to make that tax money because New Hampshire's dispensaries are bound to be cheaper than Massachusetts, right? I don't know if they tax it at the uh, dispensaries. Maybe they do. I mean, okay. I know that in, in some states... You actually don't pay tax if you're going to a medical. So the states that have recreational, oh, that's right. You yeah. pay tax at the recreational stores, but not the medical stores or whatever. That's my understanding of how it works. But I don't know how New Hampshire's medical situation works. Well, it's one step closer to you know recreational cannabis at the very least. But it allows people from out of state to shop at the stores here, which is good for those stores at least. It gives them yeah. more revenue, and you know maybe that'll make it so they can lower their prices, etc. So a little bit of good news there. Thank you for the call tonight, Elkanahu. It's always good to to hear someone, you know, planning to move to New Hampshire. And I don't know whether or not he's actually serious now because he commented that he's you know, always changing his mind. It is never really serious. But <laughs> I, w- I was concerned, you know, at first when he was like, you know, I've heard Mark talking. Again. <laughs> you know what? No one has ever called in to say seriously that Mark has persuaded them to join a ZA uh, project and, you know, move to Honduras or wherever else. Uh, that's true. I mean, Mark does have his hands in a lot of projects. That's true. But Sorry. I mean, he has a, what I can tell, a hard time of picking one and sticking with it. He does. He does. I mean, he he's like a sampler. Yes. He's always sampling. Which is great. I mean, right? It, it's good to have someone out there who's sampling all of the entrees to let us know which ones are good and which one aren't. I'm glad that he's doing what he's doing. Um, I mean, I, I and he's doing what he loves. I mean, he's happy. He's having a good old time at it. So, I mean, I, and I hope that he does come across some sort of project that ultimately has, you know, bears fruit. You know, yes. that it's that it's beyond the planning stage. And supposedly there is one that's actually starting here and there, but it's you know still not ready for prime time yet. Because I don't think most people want to move to a place and have to do all of the groundwork. You know, they want to. Like you were talking about this to some extent with, with him. It's like you don't want to move to a third world place. You'd rather have some of the amenities and the comforts. Yes. But it's, it may be true that like, yeah, if you move out in the middle of the woods and you build your own shack, as long as the, you know, as long as you aren't violating somebody else's property like River Dave, uh, you're probably not going to get thrown off the land or you're not going to have your house burned down. Just pay the government. And they'll leave you alone for the uh, for the most part. And that's kind of what Mark's doing, except in like Honduras or something. They want to pay the government in the hopes the government will leave them alone. And maybe they will. Well, you know, going back to El Conejo's like first comment about Porkfest, I've never been to a Porkfest, but that is the same feeling I got when I first met all of you guys here and I moved here. I, d- I felt like, oh, I can actually be myself around these people. It's really relieving feeling. So. It's a nice feeling. It's a great it place, New Hampshire.
And the libertarians here are just tremendously inviting. They, they like to say, you know, welcome home when people move here, which I'm not a fan of because it, it feels kind of culty and kind of cringy. But, I mean, realistically, they do treat you like family. And One New Hampshire is great. It's Free Talk Live, railing against fiat currencies since, I don't remember exactly when, about 2012, 2013. Well, actually, I imagine Free Talk Live has been, been railing critical. against it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we were gold and silver guys before crypto. <laughs> Excellent point. Yeah. Of course, I wasn't back then, but anyway, once I awoke to the liberty movement somewhere around 2008, I think... Mm. I didn't know about Bitcoin then, but, you know, I learned from Ron Paul about the issues of the Federal Reserve System and all of the problems that it had. And I've been reeling against it since because it's it's dangerous to have a government. The level of control that a government has by being the issuer of the currency that everyone is by law supposed to use. That's an insane amount of power, direct power over our economic lives. And if you haven't noticed Almost everything you do in life consumes or earns money. Yeah, well, that's um, a, another way of looking at money is to look at it as energy, as an energy exchange. Mm, you know, good point. You, you earn it by putting effort into your life to doing a thing. Some people are more uh, you know, efficient at earning it than others. Uh, but it's basically a reward for, for energy. And then when you exchange that, you're exchanging it for the energy of somebody else's output, essentially. It's just a way yep. of denominating energy. Transfer. I mean, just think about what it would take to actually reduce your money money usage to actually zero dollars. You, you would have to turn off all the water, all the electricity, all the everything in your house and basically just mm-hmm. sit outside in the dark in order to be spending zero money. At and you have to grow moment. your own food, and yes. you know, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and if you and look, the at government it, has direct control over the money that you're constantly using in some capacity. Yeah, and most people, when they look at the like the tax burden, you know, they do that calculation every year in the in the United States of Tax Freedom Day, where they calculate based on whatever the average value of somebody who pays taxes over a year. You know, what day? of the year are they no longer working for the government as far as the the amount of hours etc that they're pouring into just paying taxes right like if they make fifty thousand dollars a year or whatever and they pay ten thousand dollars in taxes it figures out you know how much what day is it that they've earned the ten thousand dollars that they owe to the government and after that they actually have earned the money that they are earning right um, and so that's one way that you could see they're, that's your energy. They're, they're literally taking not only your time from you, but that's, they're taking your energy from you. They're like a vampire in that way. And when they print money through the fiat system, they're literally taking your value without you even knowing how much they're taking. Because when you Inflation look- is an invisible tax. Correct. It's like they own you. That's exactly what it is. And having... And they, them owning the money allows them to own you lock, stock, and barrel. Whereas if they don't own the money and they don't have control over the money supply, they don't have as much control over you. And that's why they hate cryptocurrency. Yes, because they can't control cryptocurrency. They, and, can't, they can't determine how you can and can't use cryptocurrency. 
And the fact that there's a guy on Financial Times, which is a fairly influential, you know, you would think an editor who was looking at this article would be like, "Hey, man, um, so you know, when they say fiat currency, they don't mean that the United States government is setting the value of the currency, right? I mean, it's true that the U.S. government has said one dollar is worth one dollar, but that's a that's a tautology; Mm -hmm. it's meaningless." It doesn't answer the question about what $1 is actually worth to people. What will it buy? Yes. That's how you measure the value of the dollar. Right. So he talks about how banks can issue money. So it's not just the Federal Reserve. We talked about this earlier in the show as well, that banks can just essentially print money into existence, not with a printer per se, but by incrementing numbers in a computer system when they uh, issue you a loan. They're creating that money from thin air. But they do this under license effectively by the Federal Reserve Bank. Correct. But he uses that as an example to say, oh, well, it's not just the government that makes money. It's the banks that that make money. And he says that they're not setting what the value or he says they're not setting the value of this. It's not like by being told by fiat what the value is. And that's true. It's the market that decides that. But he's not seeing it that way. So let me go on. So this is more of his article about why people shouldn't call it fiat money. He says, now take the Fed. It's just a special bank. Like Bernanke said, commercial banks have deposit accounts at the Fed. When the Fed lends them money, it marks up their accounts with dollars that we call reserves. I don't think it's just a special bank was the comforting phrase he thought it was. <laughs> and just it's like, just a special bank that isn't regulated or controlled or audited by the federal government. Well, I mean, it's probably influenced heavily by the federal government. I think they set... sure. A lot of policy. Anyway, just like when commercial banks lend you money, those reserves are a liability for the Fed. But there's a crucial part of the process that didn't make it into 60 minutes. When the Fed marks up those accounts, it's also buying assets. It swaps one for one reserves for assets. So when we say the Fed is printing money, we imply that there was nothing and now there's something. Ta-da! But again, that's not at all what happens. No, that's them double dipping. It's them getting money from banks and using uh, inventing fake money money and using the fake money to buy stuff yes so then they have both the fake money and the stuff that they bought with the fake money so what does the fed buy with its printed money do you know they're called Uh, treasury bills treasury bills i like bonnie's answer better but in a, an emergency, it can be a more questionable asset, as though a treasury bill isn't a questionable asset. What the Federal Reserve buys is another thing made up by the government, a treasury bill. Okay, so it's Yes, just, which was basically a promissory note from the U.S. government, right? I understand right? it, yeah. So as I understand the way this works is the, the federal government can fund itself by issuing these treasury bills in theory, right? So if you believe in the government, you as a, a banker or maybe even an individual, I don't know all about the financial system and who can buy it. Isn't that essentially can, but, what buying a bond is? Yes. Uh, you could, If you believe the federal government will pay off on its what it owes you, if you buy its treasury bonds or bills or whatever, then you can buy those things, give the government money, and then you get a bill. You get a T-bill, and then at some point it pays off, supposedly. Right? I wouldn't want to do sort of that. An, at some sort of an interest rate. Well, guess what? It turns out a lot of people don't want to do that. And when, uh, like, let's say China or some other you know in, uh, entity on the planet, a bank or whoever, doesn't want to buy the the treasury bills 
it falls to the Federal Reserve. They are the lender of last resort for the federal government. So if the federal government's like, well, we need $3.5 trillion for this new uh, spending bill that they you were talking about earlier. Oh, plus another $1 trillion for the infrastructure bill. So there's $4.5 trillion on the table here. We need this, uh, this money. We don't have it from taxes. So we need to sell all these treasury bills. What's that? We can only sell a billion, you know, a trillion dollars and we need 4.5. Well, they turn to the Federal Reserve. And the so, Federal Reserve always buys always it. Always buys it. That's their agreement with the federal government. And I so. think it says a lot that, you know, the United States can't sell amounts like that to China or Russia or anyone else because the, these governments around the world, they have noticed that the USD is not a good investment. And exactly. that the, the Treasury notes, Treasury bills provided by the U.S. government are also not good investments. So this is the best this guy can do is say, well, see, they're not just printing money. It's they're buying a thing with that money. Yeah, that they printed. They're buying a thing that was printed with a thing that they printed. I mean, the whole thing is this sort of circular cluster F. It's insane. And it makes you know, why can't we just use treasury bills as the currency is, is the question has always made me ask. Not that that would be any better, but why do we have this middleman in the first place? That's another good question. Why aren't we just out there spending $1 treasury bills? I suspect it's because it benefits the bankers. I suspect you're correct. Mm -hmm. What do you think? 603-283-6160. When a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from Proxima Centauri, the nations of Earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last. With the Proximans facing an extinction-level disaster, Earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course. Saving Proxima, a hard science fiction thriller by Travis S. Taylor and Les Johnson. From BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live, dissecting one of the most confusing schemes ever known to humanity, and that is the U.S. monetary system, which the average person just doesn't know anything about. I remember when Ron Paul first released his book, In the Fed, I was reading it, and I was at my grandmother's house for whatever reason where my father was living, and I mentioned it to him, and I you know, started presenting reasons why it would be a good idea to and the Fed. I was just reading this book about it, so it was all fresh in my head. And mm -hmm. without knowing anything about it, his response was, I don't know, that sounds like something we ought to keep. And that, that's probably the average American's response to that. The Federal Reserve? No, that sounds important. We should keep that. But it, And that's even if they even understand, if they know what Federal Reserve is, right? Most of them don't. They don't. As far as they know, I work with people who think the USD is still backed by gold. That, wow. The, the level of ignorance. That's so ignorant. It is. And this is your money. It It is 99% of your life, whether you want it to be or not. You can say money is the root of all evil if you want, but it's still the root of your lifestyle. Everything you do is spending or earning money in one way or another. It's, uh, the, the whole term, or the the saying, money is the root of all evil, is, it's an unfortunate saying. It's so Desire is the root of all evil. I think it's wrong and toxic. It is, and but I can understand why it came about, because if you look at this money, then it's true, 
right? The sure. government money is what funds and creates a lot of the world's evil as far as it bombs, you know, pays for bombing people in the Middle East and it pays for uh, foisting the war on drugs on a, an innocent populace and locking up people like Ross Ulbricht and but others. But it's really their desire to control that's the root of all evil. I also well, need to clarify, true. I said desire is the root of all evil. That's not correct. It's the root of all suffering, but not necessarily the root of all evil. Well, it is, as she points out, the desire to control that results in a lot of this evil. And uh, and of course, money is the tool that the government uses to do this. And as we've been discussing, the government money is issued by fiat. And so therefore, they can just create more of it out of thin air, despite what the guy at the Financial Times wants you to believe. Well, I mean, that way and, they do sort of set what it's worth. You know, if they create more of it, then they're making it worth less money. That's right. And that's evil because it's stealing from you. It is stealing, literally stealing the energy of your life's essence from you, because that's what money represents. It represents yes. the, the... It's just a unit of measurement. Yes. The, and it, it, and it measures your work. It measures your output. It measures your effectiveness at life and helping others ultimately because you don't make money in life unless you help people, right? Like unless you help people get something they want, whether it be a product or service, you will not be successful. I mean, it's so important. And these people just keep taking, taking, and taking. So we were talking about the treasury bills because this is what he brings up. The author at uh, the Financial Times who's trying to defend the dollar desperately. I mean, the headline is so desperate. Of this story. I'll read it again for you. Let's all please stop calling dollars fiat money. I just can't believe they put the word please in their headline. Yeah, it's a desperate plea. <laughs> it, it does sound whiny yeah. when, when it's phrased that way. So he brings up these treasury bills. And I did look it up. And yes, an individual can buy these these bills. The only reason I didn't know that, because I don't care. I'm never going to. I'm not interested in buying this crap. Yeah, Of all of the things I could invest in, the U.S. government would be the absolute last. But oh, my God, if you thought it was confusing to get Bitcoin. Let me give you just from Investopedia.com, the section on purchasing T-bills, treasury bills. Previously issued T-bills can be bought on the secondary market through a broker. New issues of T-bills can be purchased at auctions held by the government on the Treasury Direct site. T-bills purchased at auctions are priced through a bidding process. Bids are referred to as competitive or non-competitive bids. Further bidders can be indirect bidders who can buy through a pipeline, such as a bank or a dealer. Bidders may also be direct bidders, purchasing on their own behalf. Bidders range from individual investors to hedge funds, banks, and primary dealers. A competitive bid sets a price at a discount from the T-bill's par value, letting you specify the yield you wish to get from the T-bill. Non-competitive bids, auctions... Uh, bids auctions allow investors to submit a bid to purchase a set dollar amount of bills. The yield investors receive is based on the average auction price from all bidders. That makes sense, right? That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> I, I understand. I mean, it, it's basically a really long-winded way of saying what you said earlier and, and a very confusing way of saying it, which is just that, you know, the U.S. government makes money or borrows money by printing up these T-bills and selling them to people. And these auctions are one of the ways in which the average person, if they want to, they can buy some of these T-bills. So I wanted to know, what is the current rate for a T-bill? Like, what, yes, is what is the interest that you can actually, what, you know, because that's, that's why one would buy a T-bill. Just to, to make the interest on it. Yes. It's, it's considered a safe investment because the government supposedly always pays. So it's the government. They're going to pay you, right? Well, they got their, money. their credit rating got decreased a number of years ago. So, so maybe not. I asked you off the air. I said, well, what do you think the rate is? And you took a guess. I said half of a percent, which, Bonnie, which is a really to... low rate. Yeah. That's like bank account rates, right? Like that's yes. pretty bad. 
What do you think, Bonnie? I don't have a better guess, honestly. Mine, mine was too high. So <laughs> use that as your starting point. 8% of a percent. Oh. So point zero Less than a tenth of a percent. So less than Jesus. a fifth of what point you zero guessed. 0.08%. That's correct. 0.08%. <laughs> That's for the one year. <laughs> do, do longer yields have higher... Uh, do longer years have... Yeah, you can get a three-month bill at 0.05%. That's so much worse. You could almost put your money into anything and yeah. get a better yield from that in a three-month period. <laughs> you would do better so, if you bought shares of AMC or GameStop right now, in all likelihood. But, again, this is a nearly guaranteed return. But in order to make that make sense at any kind of level, you have to buy a tremendous amount, right? Like, you have sure. to buy an S-ton of these things. So let's go back to the, the well, last Before couple... we do that, let's go to okay, the phones. Sure. We've got Greg calling from New York. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, yes. I've been hearing you talking about uh, the root of all evil. Just want to correct the, the quotation is from the New Testament. And Jesus says, the love of, all, of money is the root of all evil. Mm. Hmm. So it's a bit different. But, uh, Money's I just a tool, to, though. It is ultimately a tool that yeah, can be think, used to do good or evil. I think Buddhism said it better, which is that desire is the, ultimately the cause of all suffering, because that's mm. what he's saying. He's you know, striving after this thing and then never having enough of it mm-hmm. is what is causing you to suffer. Attachment. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what's yeah, causing the evil. people who are mercenaries and do all kinds of things for money, I don't know if they're really happy. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think... Um, Buddhism and the Western version, which was Stoicism, in the time of Marcus Aurelius and the Greeks, they also said that you should be independent of outcomes and just enjoy your life. Mm. Try to do the best you can with what you got. Um, so I just wanted to say, uh, talk about the um, the new bill, the uh, you know the infrastructure bill, and the little provision there, how to pay for it includes doxing all the crypto participants in the you know not in the world perhaps but in um you know american companies uh you know so i haven't seen that i know they want allegedly they want to change the meaning of broker to essentially be anyone who mines cryptocurrency or purchases or stakes cryptocurrency well that's what's interesting is that you know we've only now disintermediated transactions, financial transactions, like 10 years ago, yeah, with Bitcoin starting this thing. Uh, we've long ago had disintermediation of file, file sharing. For example, BitTorrent, right, allowed people. So they went after Napster because there was something to go after. BitTorrent's decentralized, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. And there's Darknets, like Freenet has existed for 20 years. And sure. now there's MadeSafe, which I encourage everyone to look into, MadeSafe. Uh, out of Scotland, they're building an uncensorable system. Did they finally release the product? It's been so long since I've heard anything about them. I mean, they're constantly improving it. It's weird. They're working almost for 15 years now. And uh, yeah, it's on GitHub. You can do stuff Hmm. with it now. Okay, good to know. I mean, you're absolutely right. When you have a central point of failure for the government to go after, they they will go after it. I mean, that's what we saw with the Liberty Dollar that came out a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. But with Bitcoin, there is no central point of failure. So there's nothing for them to go after. There's nothing for them to take down. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Greg. Excellent points. Bitcoin's also done way better than T-bills. 
<laughs> it, it has proven to be a significantly better investment almost for everyone who has ever had a Bitcoin. It's also way easier to get them. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live, talk radio that you control. And if you value that, if you value having a show where people can call in and express their opinions on national radio, you may consider joining the EMP program as John has done. John is a silver level amplifier, which means that John is giving $5 per month to the EMP program because that's all it takes to join. And it gives you a number of cool little perks like an EMP only Facebook group and an amp-only chat on the Matrix server, and some other neat little stuff like that. But really, the reason you should join is because you care about the ideas of liberty and you want us to reach a larger audience because that's what it's for. Amp program money is used strictly to advertise, market, and promote. Free Talk Live hints this name. So, John, thank you so much for the contributions. We hope you consider, we hope you continue amplifying the show. But we're making fun of the U.S. monetary system and just how bizarre and opaque and confusing it really is and just Mm. how sad it really is because you just showed me a graph showing that as recently as 1980 you could get something like 18 percent interest on one of these treasury bills that's right versus today where you can get 0.08 percent talk about one year treasury bill Mm -hmm. talk about the fall of an empire oh yeah that's basically scraping the bottom of the barrel 0.05% 0.05% interest is basically no interest. <laughs> it's not worth the time to do anything with that. Like the whatever time it takes to go and join an auction and then have, you know all these steps that they were talking about in order to get get your get your hands on one of these. I that mean, means if you buy a $100 treasury bill, they will give you your $100 back and a nickel <laughs> a year later. You will earn a nickel for a $100 investment. That's yeah. That's an insult. Yeah, it is. In order to buy that, no, it's no wonder that China isn't buying these or Russia isn't right. buying these. <laughs> no one would buy something so trivial and so right. meaningless. But that's what that's the thing. You just called it meaningless. But this guy at the at uh, Financial Times a wants you to believe a nickel over one hundred dollars yeah. is meaningless. Is. Most people wouldn't, as we talked about, bend over to pick it up. They're not even like cool in any other way like i look them up and they're ugly they look like ugly versions of the dollar oh well and here's the other thing and that's five dollars for a ten thousand dollar investment a ten thousand dollar treasure bill they will give you five dollars a year later and it's not even something you can physically hold now so according to the treasurydirect.gov website for the on the page for kids because i went there i'm like all right i want to explain this to me like you're explaining it to a child and according to this note Although we show images of different paper securities throughout our website, it's worth noting that except for savings bonds, all treasury securities have been issued only in electronic form since 1986. Wow. I didn't know they had that technology in 1986. I guess good on them for at least be Interestingly, that seems to be about when the value of the T-bill and its return started just plummeting. Right, because they couldn't afford to, <laughs> to issue paper <laughs> versions of it anymore. So... The final thoughts here of this guy's article, this begging, pleading, please don't call it fiat money. He wants you to believe in it. If I had known how bad it was, I wouldn't even do it the honor of calling it fiat currency. It's Mm. just crap. 
He wants you to believe in this crap, though. He really... Look, it's not just... They're just not printing it from thin... They're buying things. They're buying these worthless <laughs> treasury bills with them. Because it's all made up. It's all imaginary. So going on, he says, To believe those reserves are just a meme. You have to believe the assets, meaning the treasury bills, are just a meme. But they aren't. No, they're worth Don't- less than... Memes make people laugh. <laughs> the, the treasury bill, it gives you... $50 for a $100,000 investment. And it is just, it's a joke and it is just digital. It's a meme. Don't take my word for it. The Fed's assets provide a return every year, lean years and fat years, without fail. Yes, the government, a, a return of a nickel yeah. for every $100. Because the government will never fail. Right? That's what he wants you to believe. Now, let's do the Department of Treasury, he says. It has an account at the Federal Reserve, too. But it cannot just magic dollars out of its account. The Treasury can put dollars into its account collecting taxes or by selling Treasury bills. There's no fiat, no decree, there's no money printer anywhere. It's all transactions on a balance sheet. Assets for liabilities. Now, you may yes, believe... That's, that's sort of how it spiraled so unbelievably out of control is that they don't even have to print it anymore and it's just imaginary things on a balance sheet (laughs) my one thought for a reason that a treasury note could be valuable is like oh maybe rich like super rich people who are status will buy them to just have like in a frame in their house but no you can't even do that nope now you may believe that all those mortgages and credit card loans are meaningless assets You may believe... They're not meaningless assets, they're meaningless liabilities, which is worse. You may believe the U.S. government will not be able to collect enough taxes to roll over those treasury bills. If you're right, then yes, the dollar has no value. But we're still not talking about trusting anyone's fiat. We're talking about credit analysis. So please, let's stop calling it fiat money. Let's start calling it what it is. Hold on. Credit money. The the government can never tax enough money to pay off its debt to the Federal Reserve. As we talked about last night or the night before, when you factor in the interest, it's mathematically impossible for the federal government to pay it back. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about paying off just the Treasury bills. But they can't even do that. Well, they are because they get more money for few. They can't pay back all of them is what I mean. They can't pay them all back at once, right? So that's why they issue new ones. Right. So they're issuing new ones so they can pay off the old ones. They borrowed $10,000 to pay off the previous $8,000 that they borrowed. Or whatever. And then they borrowed $16,000 to pay off that $10,000. Let's stop calling it fiat money. Let's start calling it what it is, credit money. Debt money? Well, that's the thing. That's where I was going to quibble with him on this as well. It's not credit money. It look, pull up the dollar if you have one in your wallet. Don't while well, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you you know, go ahead, pull. I, you know, I've got an image of it right here. It is called a Federal Reserve note. What is the definition of a note? A loan financially. So like you can write a note, obviously, and, and a promissory a note. note. Mm-hmm. A paper acknowledging a debt and promising payment. A promissory note. Hmm. Definition number eight on dictionary.com. This is not credit money. It's debt money. Every dollar issued is issued because it is evidence of debt. It also says this note is legal tender for all debts 
public and private. Yeah. On the That's because every single dollar that you use is owed by someone to someone else. That's correct. And if all of the loans were paid off, all of the dollars would go away. And we would still, and the United States government, and therefore the taxpayers, would still be in debt. But don't worry. There's t- almost $29 trillion worth of debt out there, so they ain't paying those loans off anytime soon. I know. I saw that. And I saw that Biden was apparently criticizing the Trump administration for throwing on $8 trillion of that. <laughs> but it's like, dude, you want to put $3.5 trillion on in addition to the $1 trillion that you want to put on yeah. in your first year. Oh, well, don't forget the $2 trillion they already passed for the COVID uh, funds earlier. So he wants to get close to $6.5 so trillion. Yeah, in his first year in and the office. the year ain't over. He, he's going to eclipse $8 trillion by by a factor of 10 sure. at this rate. And don't forget the Democrats voted for those bailouts in 2020. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all Donald Trump's doing, even though he signed it, obviously. So he was part of it. He was. And it's not going to get any better. I mean, th- this whole mess that we've been outlining for the last hour or so, it's, it's a confusing, nightmarish mess. It's made to be confusing so the average person doesn't know where their money's coming from. Well, I just love that this guy is begging people to stop using the term fiat. And this fiat, is, fiat, yeah, fiat. It is totally fiat. And it, it is. is totally BS. And it is a total scam on you and me and every other poor sap who's ever used the dollar. Anybody who's holding the dollar right now in any amount is being taxed hidden secretively by this crazy system of treasury bills and printing and numbers increment number go up you know print the bills and it just it's this crazy endless cycle where they're literally raping you financially yes and people don't even seem to be aware of it i mean they they see that all of the prices are going up and that wages aren't yeah. wages aren't going up to compensate record inflation by the way headline at the drudge report the highest rate in 20 years yep and it's not going but they're measuring inflation as the increase in prices rather than at the actual increase That's in the true. money supply yeah. which is this nonsense that we're talking about now they want to spend three and a half trillion dollars on top of the one trillion dollar mm-hmm. package and the two trillion dollars that they just did a few months ago this is insane these are enormous amounts of money. They are destroying the currency that you're using to sustain yourself. Get out of it. Absolutely. The whole system that you've explained tonight just makes Bitcoin see- seem so much more simple. Well, cryptocurrency yeah, in general. It really does. I mean, you don't have to understand the intricacies of how cryptographic mining works or the blockchain, you know, how uh, the mempool functions and all this to know that Bitcoin does what it says it's going to do. The cryptocurrency is a way out from this insane system yeah it can't be more confusing than this nonsense for sure and you know if people don't understand how this works why do they need to really understand the ins and outs of how bitcoin works bitcoin at the very least isn't doing this nonsense that we've been talking about tonight and if it does you can go to another crypto absolutely so go check that out at bitcoin.com to get started learning about it it's been free talk live this message is for you if you are a polyamorous person or you're in an open relationship and you are struggling with jealousy, loneliness, and communication problems. Hello, my name is Jeremy West, and I am a polyamory coach with degrees in psychology and communications and five years of experience with polyamory. And for a limited time, I'm teaching a free online class just for polyamorous people or people in open relationships where you will discover a new, simpler, and unique way to uncover the secret that experienced poly people know about jealousy that you must know too, Stop feeling lonely when your partner is out with another partner and use the four key elements that will change the way you communicate forever. No more crying yourself to sleep when you're alone for a night, a weekend, or longer and wondering if it's better to go back to a monogamous relationship. Sound good? Well then, go to jeremywest.net slash free class 
and register for my class now. Again, that's jeremywest.net slash free class, jeremywest.net slash free class.